This is News Talk on the VOCM Bigland FM radio network. The views and opinions on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your News Talk host, Linda Swain. No, sir, not Linda Swain. Richard Duggan in with you this afternoon here on News Talk on your VOCM. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, Myself and Brian Callahan will be sort of doing a bit of tag teaming on the show this week. I'm hosting today. He's hosting tomorrow. Then I'm back for a couple of other episodes uh, later on in the week. Uh, But there is a lot going on in the news today, and we're going to get right to some of the uh, the top stories uh, that we're following for you here on VOCM now in just a minute. But I I just want to start. Uh, with the weather for a second because it has been I think a bit of a necessary cool off the last couple of days Mm -hmm. Um, you know we've gone from the humid X values up in the 30s to now we're down around I guess a comfortable 20 degrees if you could say that no no it's very it's very comfortable Newfoundland is the only place where you can suffer heat stroke on Friday and hypothermia on Sunday Mm -hmm. yeah you got that right and it's the well at least it's not as bad as like in the springtime you know when we have to go from uh, winter coat in the morning to shorts and a t-shirt in the afternoon we're not quite at those daily extremes yet but uh, i think most people would agree that uh, the cool off has been nice definitely needed uh we've had a, a little bit of rain and uh, drizzle pretty much across the entire province today uh, i think a lot of people will say definitely needed uh because you know we, we saw what happened last year with forest fires and whatnot when things get really dry so um i think most people would agree that that is needed uh looking right now weather across the island pretty much everybody's around 20 degrees uh labrador's a little bit cooler uh currently 14 in lab city 12 in nain uh 17 in happy valley goose bay that's what we're looking at right now and i think things are supposed to recover at least here in the metro region uh, a little bit later on the week and we're going to be back up uh in in 20s and sunny again um before we get into the rest of the show i want to take a look at today's vocm news question of the day uh still lots of time to have your opinion on that do you think that government's calls for public input actually influences their decisions is our question today and uh well an overwhelming no is currently dominating on today's question 73% saying no uh, government's calls for input don't actually influence their decisions uh, 23% saying sometimes and only 4% saying yes Uh, so if you have an opinion on that uh, feel free now go on over vocm.com still lots of time uh, to vote on today's question of the day now uh, we're going to start uh, the show today with uh, a tragic story that unfolded over the weekend here in the capital city um a mother whose son died of a drug overdose uh, spoke out earlier today we heard her story uh tina olivero uh, her 20 year old son benjamin uh passed away over the weekend uh, his body was found next to a bench uh, near the saint john's convention center and uh she has been told that her son died um, after ingesting cocaine that was laced with uh, with fentanyl Um, and of course uh, our condolences go out to Tina and uh, thank her very much for speaking with us Um, Benjamin's death has reignited some discussions around the need for a safe injection site in the province Um, and we had heard uh, those stories a little bit earlier in the year. Um, St. John City Council, that conversation had been reignited a little bit. Um, so earlier today, I reached out to St. John's Mayor Danny Breen uh, to find out his thoughts on the situation and if a safe injection site uh, could be in the works. Well, first of all, Ricky, just uh, my condolences to the family of the, 
of the young gentleman who uh, passed away on uh, on on the weekend it's uh, these incidents are uh, are heart wrenching and uh, uh, you know we, it's uh, it's a terrible time and uh, just uh, wanted to express my uh, my my sincere sympathy to the to the family um the discussion around safe injection sites they they have uh, they do take place and and certainly there's been uh, more uh, talk of them in the last in the last little while so just to be clear um the city uh is doesn't have the the resources or the expertise to establish a, a safe injection site we would certainly uh, defer that decision to the uh uh, to the Department of Health, so I have uh, have spoken to Minister Osborne, um, and uh, he's aware that if uh, if that should uh, happen, uh, then the city will be there to assist in whatever way is necessary to uh, to do that. So, what have the conversations been like with the provincial government, and is this something that's being actively looked into, or are these sort of preliminary conversations right now? Yeah, so there was uh, some time ago we had a roundtable at City Hall, and, and certainly a safe injection site or harm reduction center was uh, was one of the topics uh, that was discussed uh, with the community groups and uh, and the RNC and other uh, and other community groups that were in, t- in attendance. Um, and and I know that these these discussions are happening, um, but um, they 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 continue on. Uh, but it's not something that uh, that uh, that that any decisions be made on yet. And now you mentioned that the city doesn't have the resources to be able to set this up on its own. What would be needed to set something like this up? Well, what, what I mean is, we not only do we we don't have the expertise and resources to to do this. The city doesn't have a, a health department. It doesn't have. Uh, the uh, the capacity uh, to uh, and the expertise and knowledge and practice to be able to uh, establish this. So, uh, in the roles that we can play uh, and uh, what what is needed, uh, we would certainly be available to assist the authorities uh, and uh, in in doing so. Aside from something like a safe injection site, what 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 else can the city do in terms of even just making sure that that people who are using drugs have somewhere that 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 this can be done safely and that the the public risk is mitigated? Well, you know there is a, a, an education component to this. There's a wide variety of uh, of NGOs and community organizations that we support. Uh, who are out doing work in the community? Uh, they're the ones that uh, that know this uh, uh, space, and uh, and so we support them uh, through our uh, through our community grants program uh, annually to uh, to assist in this area. Uh, in terms, we field uh, many calls from uh, from residents and uh, others as to uh, the safe disposal of needles, and our our staff repl- respond to those. Uh, as well, so uh, we we are involved in in that aspect of it. And as I indicated, we did a roundtable and bringing together the community groups uh, earlier um, or a couple of months ago. Uh, came out with a report that was released uh, publicly, and we'll begin working on some uh, on some initiatives with those groups as we. Uh, as, as we combat this uh, this problem that's uh, being faced in uh, in every city across the country.
I know that um, the city of St. John's uh, has been actively collaborating with its other uh, partners in the area, specifically CBS, Mount Pearl, uh, Paradise. Is, is combating drug issues in, in all those communities something that you talk about regularly with them? And, and is there any space or is there any possibility for collaboration in, in how to address this uh, with uh, other uh, municipalities in the region? Yeah, you know the municipalities in this region are, are uh, we're uh, we're really integrated uh, with one another. Um, so the work that we do um, is is through the with uh, cooperation with the Department of Health and with the other municipalities. Uh, so it's um, it's it's an issue in the region, um, and uh, certainly one that's. Uh, and that's an issue in St. John's right now. So uh, it's going to take coordination and it's going to take collaboration. And uh, and uh, we're there uh, to uh, to assist in whatever way possible we can. A couple of weeks ago, we had a story about uh, an alleged crack tent that was set up in, in a downtown neighborhood. And now we're hearing about all these fentanyl-related issues and drug issues. As mayor, when you hear about the level of drugs that is present in the city, what goes through your mind? Well, you know, I, I think that it's uh, like everybody. Uh, you know, you're really questioning uh, what is what is going on right now in our society and the, and the issues that we're facing. Uh, are becoming more and more prevalent, um, uh, you know, in, in terms of the situation on Livingston Street that you referred to. The police acted uh, very quickly there and uh, were able to uh, uh, to address the situation. Uh, so we're, uh, you know, the, the RNC is, is doing a good job of policing uh, in the city and uh, they're responding to the issues. Uh, but the issues seem to be uh, um, more and more uh, each uh, uh, as we go along. Yeah, I just want to say that you know, uh, people if they uh, if they see needles or see anything uh, towards that, they call three one one for a safe disposal or um, anything any illegal activity. Contact PRNC uh, and uh, for people out there to be safe and be observant uh, of your surroundings. And there you have it. That's St. John's Mayor Danny Breen uh, discussing the potential of a uh, possible safe injection site here in the city. And uh, he says that it comes down to, to the provincial government that uh, the city does not have the resources or the expertise to set one up. Um, so we put those questions uh, at a separate news conference earlier today to Health Minister Tom Osborne. Uh, and we're going to have his comments coming up after the break. Stay informed and have your say on the news of the day with your VOCM. Join Linda Swain weekday afternoons from 4 to 5 p.m. for an hour of talk and discussion with decision makers and listeners like you. News Talk on your VOCM. And welcome back to the show. Richard Duggan in the studio with you this afternoon. And now we're going to continue a conversation that we began before the break, uh, talking about opiate use and uh, specifically um, the use of fentanyl. And we've been talking all day and and over the last couple of days about um, the apparent spike in deaths that has occurred because of drug use in the province. Um, And uh, before the break, we talked to St. John's Mayor Danny Breen about the potential of opening up a safe injection site. And he says that uh, that would have to be the provincial government as the city doesn't really have the resources or the expertise in order to open or operate it. Um, So at an unrelated news conference earlier today, uh, that was about uh, 
the provincial government equipping ambulances in the eastern zone with uh, a new electronic patient care record system. Um, we put those questions to Health Minister Tom Osborne. Uh, VOCM's Noah Shepard, as well as other reporters, were on hand. And uh, here's what the health minister had to say. Uh, you mentioned off the top there, of course, recent uh, statistics coming out about the amount of uh, overdoses recently. Um, the city of St. John says it doesn't have the uh, expertise or the resources to set up a safe injection site. Uh, is this something the province is looking at? You know, so we are looking at, uh, at what's happening. I can say that uh, since 2000, 2016, uh, we've had uh, over 6,000 naloxone kits distributed. Uh, there's actually, uh, if you go on online, there are 29 pages of sites throughout the province, so over 140 sites throughout the province where these kits are available. Uh, we have our uh, uh, mobile unit um, in the in the uh, metro region as well. Uh, so they operate out of the, the Monday Pond Clinic uh, from 1 to 4, uh, Monday to Friday, uh, they operate uh, in the community, uh, doing community outreach, uh, including shelters. Uh, you know, uh, throughout the, the the streets of of the metro region, uh, from um, uh, one to seven p.m. Uh, Monday to Friday. Uh, over the past week, as a you know, in direct response to uh, what's been happening. Uh, they've expanded uh, the number of hours uh, that they've been operating uh, in the city. I know that over the past week we've provided uh, uh, 400 or so naloxone kits uh, to um, the bars and uh, stakeholders in the downtown region, uh, provided training to bar owners, security, uh, or sorry, uh, bar employees, uh, security, uh, police officers, uh, all police uh, vehicles in the province have the nasal uh, naloxone kits available. Uh, but we are looking at this. You know, this is uh, while it's a spike, we don't know if it's if it's a trend or a spike. It is very concerning. It's something uh, that we are obviously looking at. We will work with the city of St. John's and other municipalities. Uh, uh, throughout the province to ensure uh, that uh, individuals have access to the naloxone kits and, and the mobile units that go to the, the shelters and, and the downtown region. If individuals need a, a site uh, for uh, harm reduction, that's there, uh, including uh, the naloxone kits and, and uh, you know injection if need be. Um, at least 11 overdose deaths or drug-related deaths in the last 30 days uh, as of this weekend. What's the Department of Health doing right now in order to prevent more deaths? Uh, you know, that's a, a very complex issue. So the, the Provincial Health Authority, uh, the department, it involves uh, justice and public safety, uh, obviously involves uh, home first and, and uh, housing, the shelter systems uh, throughout the province. So it is a very complex issue. Um, we are working with all stakeholders. Um, I mean, if you look at a city like Vancouver, who've put, you know, a number of measures and have, you know, started dealing with this a number of years ago, uh, I don't know if you can eliminate death um, or, or access to uh, drugs, but we we work to try and reduce it. We work to try and educate. Uh, it is, as I said, you know, we are with very heavy hearts today because of the the uh, spike recently. But you know, I I can say that uh, uh, one of the things, if 
an individual um, has an, indi- uh, 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 an addiction, uh, we ask that, A, uh, they don't um, use alone, uh, try to reduce the, the amount on, on any uh, one incident that, uh, of uh, product that they're taking, um, and have uh, an naloxone kit on, on hand. Uh, part of the reason we say don't use alone um, the naloxone kits are available to any family who feel that they need one. Uh, they can contact 811. Uh, we'll ensure that you get a naloxone kit. So they're available to any family in the province. Uh, that is one of the ways that we can help reduce deaths is by providing these kits to anybody who needs them. Uh, if somebody... Uh, you know, we're certainly not condoning the use, but if somebody uh, is planning to use, um, you know, have an naloxone kit on hand, uh, that is one of the ways that we can reduce uh, the number of deaths. Now, the RNC has come out and said that fentanyl in the drug supply is going to be the new normal. Is, is there any sort of messaging plans that your department is uh, planning for the near future in order to address that? Yeah, we. I mean, we met uh, just as late as this morning, uh, looking at uh, potential messaging to ensure that we get that message out there. Not everybody is aware of uh, naloxone kits, but um, we have over a thousand uh, more on order. Uh, Four hundred, I think, arrived. Uh, um, Yesterday, uh, sorry, the 400 is what we've we've distributed downtown. There were 200 arrived yesterday, uh, another 800 um, uh, on order and en route uh, to the province. We want to ensure uh, one of the key messages, because, you know, we can't eliminate um, the product that's available on the street. You know, that simply won't happen, uh, but we can make the, uh, the kits available to anybody and everybody who need them, and they will be available to anybody and everybody who needs them. Uh, we will be working with law enforcement uh, as well. They have been excellent partners. Um, they're available. Uh, this announcement today is regarding ambulances. They're obviously available on uh, ambulances throughout the province as well uh, as uh, law enforcement. Um, and we just want to make sure that uh, they are available to whoever needs them. And speaking of paramedics, have you been hearing at all from paramedics about a spike in calls related to drug overdoses? Well, we know recently there's been a spike. Again, whether that's a trend or whether it was a spike, um, you know, uh, it is concerning. But we will monitor that. And that's one of the uh, the positive outcomes in terms of this announcement today, the electronic patient care record will give us insight into trends uh, that are happening or or the reason that ambulances are responding. Uh, so we can look at any particular neighborhood or any particular region or a particular town uh, and, and look at whether there's a spike for any reason, for any health reason or any uh, whatever the reason for response is. And it will allow us to put the, the required resources in those areas if there is a spike or there's a reason that, uh, you know, uh, the, our first responders are, are uh, responding to those calls.
There you have it. That's Health Minister Tom Osborne uh, responding to questions from media, including VOCM's Noah Shepard, um, about the recent spike in drug-related deaths in the province. And uh, before we go to the break, I do want to mention, uh, and I know that the health minister just mentioned that there a little bit as well, but if uh, you know you or someone you know is using drugs, uh, it is very important to have a, a naloxone kit on hand, um, and those are available through a number of local pharmacies and clinics. You can contact public health, and uh, I know that we had a, uh, a link on VOCM.com that was up a few days ago uh, with a direct link on uh, a bunch of different sites on how to get them, so you can go there as well. And also, if you just Google uh, Naloxone Kit NL, um, the first uh, site that comes up is a direct link to all the various uh, community pharmacies and agencies where you can access one. Uh, very important. Uh, could save a life. All right, we are going to go to the break now. The once uh, when we come back. Uh, federal NDP leader Jagmeet Singh is in town for the next couple of days. He held a news conference earlier today. I was there, and we will go back to that. Um, as for now, let's head off to the news with Noah Shepard. Start your day off right. Get the latest updates on news, traffic, and weather conditions, plus interviews with today's newsmakers, your go-to source before you get on the go. 5.30 to 9 a.m. weekdays, your VOCM mornings. Well, thank you very much, Noah. Welcome back to the program. Richard Duggan in with you this afternoon here on News Talk. And, uh, well... If you remember, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, PC leader Pierre Polyev was in the province, uh, the first uh, or the latest in many uh, recent uh, trips to Newfoundland and Labrador. Last week, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau was in the province as well. He was out in central Newfoundland to make a couple of announcements. Uh, now, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh is in the province. He is in the province for the next couple of days. Um, he's going to be attending the St. John's East NDP nomination meeting at the Benevolent Irish Society tonight night um with uh, Mary Shortle. Mary Shortle uh, will be nominated uh, to represent the NDP in that uh, riding. Um, earlier today, he and Mary Shortle, who is the former president of the Newfoundland Labrador Federation of Labor, met with that organization, and shortly thereafter, they met with media. Um, I was one of the reporters there. Uh, here's what Mary Shortle and Jagmeet Singh had to say. Hi, everyone. Thanks for being here. I'm delighted to be here to welcome Jagmeet back again to our province uh, to answer some questions that you might have. I just want to say first, I've been an activist for a long time, both through the labor movement and through the NDP. And uh, we just had a wonderful meeting with a lot of the labor leaders in the province. And the one thing that uh, I remember many years ago, the Toronto Star uh, said about Jagmeet that he's not ruled by his ego. He's actually someone who cares very much about listening to what people have to say and acting on behalf of that. And if I ever needed any other proof, which I didn't, <laughs> I heard it this morning when, uh, when that interchange happened between the issues of the labor movement and the issues of the party and the attention with which Jugme pays attention. So welcome. Thank you so much oh, for being you. here. That's so kind. Thank you so much. Well, I'm really, really honored to be here standing with uh, the labor leaders of the province. These are the folks that fight for workers in Newfoundland and Labrador. And to have Mary Shortle, my, my special advisor to Newfoundland and Labrador, who keeps me updated on what's going on. We heard a lot of concerns today. And we're kicking off our Atlantic tour. First stop in the Atlantic, we're here in St. John's. And our tour of uh, St. John's is going to be uh, a number of days. We're going to go and meet with people. We're going to meet with communities. We're going to hear from folks. And today we heard from the labor leaders about 
what workers are experiencing. And we heard a lot of struggles for workers when it comes to the cost of living, cost of groceries, cost of housing, costs are up. And wages aren't keeping up with those costs, and people are really feeling squeezed. I heard one of the one of the representatives for workers said it's getting costly for Newfoundland and Labradorians to live in their own province. I mean, that's a problem. That's a serious problem, and that's what's going on. And 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 I said to to the Liber leaders, and I say this to to Newfoundland and Labradorians, we can do better. It doesn't have to be this way. These are decisions that were made by people that have not struggled in their lives or people who have not faced worries. And the outcome is we've got decisions that are leaving people behind. We don't have to go this way. We can invest in solutions to build more homes that are affordable. We can do that. I think about when we were looking at uh, our history as a nation. After the World War, Canada built significant new homes post-World War. The first homes that a lot of people were able to afford were those homes. We can do that again. We can build more non-market housing. We can build more purpose-built rental housing. We can make housing more affordable. We've got a market that's designed to make rich people richer. We can change that to make the housing market about giving people a place to call a home. That's what it should be about. We can make investments in our health care. We can fight back against corporate greed. No other party is willing to call out the fact that the grocery corporate chains have made more profit than ever before at a time when Canadians are struggling to buy their food. That does not have to be the way things are. And I think about eight years of Justin Trudeau and the Liberals, things haven't got better for Newfoundland and Labradorians. The people of St. John's are saying things have gotten worse over, those ta- over that time. The cost of housing has gone up. The cost of food has gone up. And the Conservatives, we know who the Conservatives are. Newfoundland and Labrador knows very well the Harper Conservatives. A member of that team, a very key member of that team was Pierre Polyev. The same Harper Conservative plan it was to cut pensions, cut EI, cut the health care and the services that people need. That's not going to help people here. That's going to make things worse. We're offering a real solution here, a real alternative. And I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing more across the tour for the next couple of days. And I'm looking forward to hearing solutions and giving people hope. Things can be better, and that's what we're fighting for. Thanks so much for, for being here, and I look forward to your questions. Thanks again to Mary, uh, Jessica, the president of the Federation of Labor here in the province, and to all the labor leaders behind me. Thank you so much for, for the time to be able to meet with you all. And I look forward to your questions now. So we saw a cabinet shuffle happen last week, and with uh, the NDP um, in, um, you know, an understanding of confidence with the Liberal government, you know, what is your take on there being a cabinet shuffle and potentially a federal election coming well, one, I, I think the, uh, what's clear to me is that the Liberal government can't shuffle away out of eight years of, of their track record. They got eight years to make a difference in people's lives. And what is the outcome of those eight years when it comes to the things that matter to people here in Newfoundland and Labrador and in St. John's? Cost of housing, it's gone up. Cost of groceries, it's gone up. They can't shuffle their way out of that. That's the reality. That's their track record because they haven't made choices that actually stand up for working people. We got to change that. If there's been anything that's, ha- that's been done, <clears throat> any decision that's been made over the past period of time that has lifted up people, it's been things that New Democrats have forced them to do. We forced them to bring in dental care. That's going to help thousands of people in the province, millions of people across the country. We made that happen. We put in legislation to make the child care permanent, to make it public and not-for-profit prioritized. That's what we did. We doubled the GST rebate, put more money in people's pockets. If there's been any relief, it's because, because of us. But otherwise, eight years of Liberals being in power has made things harder on people. And the Conservatives are no better. They're going to do the same things that Harper's, Harper's government did, which has made, made life harder for people in this province. And so the shuffle, to me, doesn't change the fact 
fact of their track record, and we got to keep on pushing them to do more for people. And eventually, when there is an election, we got to replace them with a new Democrat government that's focused on workers, focused on families, focused on people. Earlier this year in this province, we had a big uh, labor issue involving the crab fishery, uh, and I know that a lot of people were calling for federal supports on that front. Can I get your thoughts on, on that situation and how uh, the NDP would have addressed that? Well, we're a workers' party. Uh, we were founded by workers. We're founded by labor worker, uh, labor unions and farmers. Uh, and we believe in making sure that decisions that are made by government put workers first. So if workers are in a bind, workers are feeling a struggle, what we would do in any of those situations is make sure the workers are put front and foremost in the decision-making, make sure that they're supported. We've seen far too often decisions when it comes to whether it's uh, workers in the fishery industries, whether it's workers on the factory line, whether it's workers in resource sector. Decisions are made that benefit the big bosses. Decisions are made that benefit the big corporations, but they don't benefit the workers. That, to me, is a big problem. We need to make sure decisions are benefiting workers first. That's the approach we would take in, in that conflict and in any conflict. I'm curious about the timing of this visit and the, the nomination meeting, this evening, and your Atlantic tour. Do you see a federal election happening sooner rather than later? Uh, we have no indication of that. There's no indication of, of an election happening. We'll be ready if there is one, and we're not worried. We're, we're ready to fight an election at any time, but it isn't our goal. Our goal isn't to trigger an election or to force an election. Our goal from the beginning has been very clear. We want to force this government to do more for people. We wanted to see this government deliver more for people. And that's been our focus. That's why we got the agreement in place. It's to force the liberals to do more for people. Because without an agreement in place, they wouldn't be doing th things for workers. They wouldn't be delivering dental care. They wouldn't be putting more money in people's pockets. We forced them to do these things, and we want to continue to do that until we get to a point where it's no longer possible, and then we're ready to fight an election. And there you have it. That is NDP, federal NDP leader Jagmeet Singh uh, speaking with reporters, including myself, um, here in St. John's earlier today. They were at the uh, the NAEP uh, headquarters there up just off uh, Portugal Cove Road up there. Um, and uh, that is just uh, one stop on the uh, NDP leader's uh, Atlantic tour. Uh, after he finished speaking with us, he went up and visited uh, UA Local 740. And tonight, of course, he's going to the Benevolent Irish Society, where he will attend St. John's East NDP nomination meeting. And uh, Mary Shortle will be nominated at that meeting tonight to represent that district Um in St. John's. And that is not the only stop. Uh, Jagmeet Singh will be in the province for the next couple of days. In fact, uh, very recently, just a, a little while ago, uh, it was announced that uh, he has called a news conference for tomorrow afternoon at 1230, uh, just outside of the Dominion down by Kitty Vitty Lake, uh, where he and Mary Shortle will speak with media about high grocery bills in Newfoundland and Labrador and uh, some of the solutions that the NDP uh, will have in their platform about that. Speaking of of Dominion down by Kitty Vitty Lake. Kitty Vitty Lake, of course, big topic for this week because of the St. John's Regatta, which may or may not be going ahead on Wednesday, weather dependent, and uh, I guess we'll get a, a clearer picture of that now in the days ahead. Uh, but coming up after our final break of the day, I'll have a conversation uh, with VOCM's Brian Medor. He uh, earlier today uh, spoke with president of the Royal St. John's Regatta Committee, Noel Thomas Kennel. Um, we'll have some of that conversation coming up for you uh, in a couple of minutes from now. Your voice in Newfoundland and Labrador's biggest conversation. If you want to know what's happening in your province, tune in to Open Line every day. Have your say weekday morning starting at 9 a.m. on Open Line with Patty Daly on your VOCM. 
And welcome back to the program. Uh, this is News Talk. Richard Duggan in with you this afternoon. Uh, well, Kitty Vitty Lake becomes the center of attention for thousands this week with the Royal St. John's Regatta. I know for many in the metro region, uh, this is an event that they look forward to year-round, and especially for the rowers. Uh, this is a big time. I've taken many drives down past Kitty Vitty Lake over the past uh, couple of months, and pretty much every night, and especially on the nice nights, you see the crews out there rowing, getting ready. Uh, in fact, I attended the uh, Royal St. John's Regatta Hall of Fame uh, induction ceremony last week and one of the things that really sticks out from covering that event is the passion that so many people and so many athletes have for the regatta. So earlier today, VOCM's Brian Medor spoke with President Noel Thomas Kennel um, about the regatta. Well, we're getting pretty close. How is everything shaping up? Well, it's definitely a buzz down here at the lake. Um, Just got here this morning, and there's packages being picked up. There's crews out in their last spin of the day of the week, and it's actually beautiful on the pond. So it's uh, the best day we could ask for for the last spin. How has the weather been for the spins? It's almost like a couple of extremes. It was very, very cold for a while, (laughs) very, very hot for a while. Has that had any impact? Uh, It doesn't seem to. Everybody is really braving all types of weather. Uh, We've had them out in, you know, their toques in May and uh, toques and and gloves. And in, I guess, July, they were down to as much as they could take off. It was so hot. There were days that I was uh, a little worried, actually, that people were were still going out for their spins, chose to. But they they certainly braved the weather, and they are ready, I think. Just uh, fill us in now on numbers, crews, race, how many races, things like that. Yep. So we've got 19 races throughout the day. We start at 8 o'clock in the morning. And, of course, the two championship races at 6.30 and 7. Um, the women are last this year for the, the championship race. So that'll start at 7 and the men at 6.30. We have, I think, 71 crews, which is a great number. We're, we're working our way back up since COVID. Um, we had a couple of years with with numbers down a little bit, but I think everybody is really um, back to their the sport that they love. So, I think one thing we noticed uh, when we really got back into it was uh, how attractive and complete that new winner's circle really is because it did come into effect like say during COVID uh, and uh, we really saw it in its full light I think last year really for the first time what, what a marvelous facility oh is it ever it's it's absolutely a staple to our venue right now um, you know I, I don't know if you've seen it down in the evening but it's absolutely gorgeous the um, the company that designed it actually just won an award as well so we're uh, we're really proud of that so what are we looking at for regatta day itself now how are things shaping up we had a lot of people down there last year uh, it was postponed for a day do you expect the same numbers to show up this year I would imagine we might actually get a little bit more where we're sort of moving a little bit more out of the COVID um, era. I don't know what to call that, but um, the last few years, the numbers have been a little lower, people a little bit more um, tentative to come down into a big crowd. But I think right now everybody's pretty much back to normal in in the way that they go about their day. So I'm pretty sure that we're going to see some some large numbers this year. Uh, It doesn't seem like it's going to be too hot, which is actually a really good thing for both the the athletes and the crowd. Um, It certainly keeps people on their feet and, and, uh, you know, not too 
not too hard to walk around for a long time, so they might stay for a little while. Yeah, I know that was a warm one last year. We've had, uh, I don't know, five or six years ago, we had a really hot one uh, too, and that, that yeah. doesn't always bode well, especially for the, the rowing side of things. Uh, but things all really kick off Tuesday. Just fill us in on what the plan is for Tuesday. Absolutely. So um, we ended up with a little bit of a, a concert for the evening, so we're excited about that. It, it kind of came together a little bit later than, than we had thought, but um, we have, of course, there's going to be lots of people starting to set up their booths, and we have lots of vendors who are actually going to be selling and and uh, running their games and their, their food, of course, on Regatta Eve. So that's tomorrow, and the concert starts at 5 o'clock. We've got School of Rock, um, a great band of, of students, and then we have at 6 o'clock the Old Contemporaries, and uh, who are, and the two of those are actually becoming a bit of a, a staple for our Regatta Eve, I think. And then at 7.30 uh, to 9 o'clock, we have Shikana playing for us. So that'll be at the bandstand, and of course, there'll be a buzz around the entire lake, so... Uh, come on down. We actually have the uh, Metro bus service as well running. And there you have it. That's VOCM's Brian Medor speaking with uh, Royal St. John's Regatta President uh, Noel Thomas Kennel about the upcoming festivities this week. And uh, really, the big variable that everyone's going to be looking at is the weather. Is it going to be nice enough for the regatta this year? Uh, currently, looking at the weather right now, it's saying cloudy and a high of 21. But which actually sounds like pretty optimal uh, rowing conditions, but the big variable with that Fonz will be the winds. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, if the if the winds pick up, uh, loppy pond, you don't want to go rowing on that. So the big concern for a lot of people, regatta roulette on Tuesday night. Have you ever played regatta roulette? I I have. I've I've never lost, <laughs> but I haven't played in the last couple of years. So I and I'm not. I I might get a chance to get down to some of the championships games on uh, or races on uh, Wednesday providing that they go ahead but uh, I'm hanging out at Piper's all day so that's where I am there you go and I think a lot of people will be in the same boat uh, will be you know watching and waiting to see whether or not they have to get up for work on uh, on Wednesday morning uh, we have a couple minutes now left to the show so I'm going to bring you back to an interview uh, that VOCM's Brian Callahan did uh, the man behind the sprawling Galway development says the next 12 months will see an exponential increase in retail and business growth. Ducor owner and operator Danny Williams provide an update on the site, which sits on the southwest edge of St. John's, including talk on a four-rink complex, school, and more health care facilities. The former premier speaks with VOCM's Brian Callahan, who began by asking, what's new? Well, we've got, we've got a lot of things happening. Uh, I guess probably the most significant that... Uh, People are seeing, you know, on weekends as they drive out over the highways, a new underpass. And that underpass, obviously, is not only serving Galway, but it's serving the uh, the heavy construction industry on the other side of the road. Uh, but it's a significant development. And, of course, with the coming out of that underpass, we've gotten, we've just actually had some significant land sales uh, in the industrial park in Galway. Armour Transportation has a, a very large building, of course, which is well under construction now. It started last year. And recently, in the past month or so, we've got uh, one four-acre land sale on the corner and two more now pending. So there's a lot of focus and a lot of interest and a lot of activity uh, on the industrial side. You know, I drive through periodically. There, it's just, uh, it seems to be growing in leaps and bounds, like overnight. 
Yeah, really, it really has. We're really kind of uh, the momentum has really started to kick in in Galway. Co- you know, COVID slowed it down for absolutely everybody in every field of business, uh, business and industry, of course. But but since then, for example, I had a, a an international retailer in there on Monday, and we came over the crest of the hill by the water tower, and he looked down at. Uh, at Costco and said, my God, I can't believe what I'm, what I'm seeing here on a Monday morning. Mm. And, of course, the parking lot was blocked. And, of course, that's that's drawing other retailers. And as well, you know, on the fast food side, uh, you know, we right now we have uh, five guys, which is pending. We're just waiting on a building permit. They're ready to go. Uh, Mary Browns have acquired land on the new parcel of land that's just out of that area. Uh, the uh, Pizza Hut is opening next month. And uh, you know August, and uh, so there's there's a lot of activity. Uh, Bogart's Jewelers are in there. Mark's Work Warehouse is being completed. So you're going to see a lot of new operations in the next 12 months in Galway, and it it just seems to be steamrolling. So you know we're built for the future. We've got lots of room to grow, and we're growing. And uh, you know there's a lot of things happening. There's a, you know a lot of interest in putting a a quadruplex in Galway right now. We've uh, basically said to the to the people who are going to looking at building that that we will provide 10 acres of land which is a significant chunk of land at no cost to get that going but there's a huge demand for a need for more ice surfaces uh hockey surfaces and of course uh, uh curling surfaces. so you know you've got ball hockey you've got ladies hockey you've got sledge hockey uh notwithstanding you know recreation hockey and minor hockey so the demand is enormous and of course the other rinks in the city are aging they're fully occupied uh, and some of them have been considered for yeah, future land development. So this is a you know a modern new age facility that's really badly needed. Uh, you know, so another major major initiatives in there would be a need for school eventually, and also health and wellness. The uh, the we'd be looking at uh, possible facilities for Eastern Health out there because the location of Galway is you know is at the junction of the Conception mm-hmm. Bay Highway. Southern Shore runs up that way, uh, Outer Ring Road, Harbour Arterial Road, and the Trans Canada. Yeah. And yeah, and of course, and then as well with you know the other commun- neighbouring communities around too, with CBS and Paradise, are all. We're all, that's all neighboring together on the whole the whole Galway. So the Galway Galway's kind of right in the center of the intersection of all those areas. But you know, for you know, on the medical facilities now, as the provincial government is looking at new medical facilities, uh, you know, that's an ideal spot for anything that's coming in the highway or trying to get a short yeah. access to uh, primary care facilities. We, we're right now, actually, we have the the Galway Wellness Center, which is there, and there last at last count, there's probably. Eight GPs going into that building, and at least four specialists right. that will be operating out of that building. So that's quite a significant, uh, significant, you know, uh, health facility. Uh, Daniel Williams, there's lots I'd like to talk to you about. There's probably people screaming at the radio now asking me too. But um, thanks, really appreciate this. Uh, maybe some other day on some other more uh, uh, interesting topics. <laughs> Absolutely, anytime. And there you have it. That's former Premier Danny Williams providing an update on the Galway development in St. John's uh, with VOCM's Brian Callahan. All right, and that pretty much wraps up the show for today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, as I mentioned earlier, um, I will not be back uh, hosting the show tomorrow. Uh, VO, the man that you just heard, VOCM's Brian Callahan, will be in uh, this chair tomorrow. And then I'll be back on Wednesday for a potentially regatta edition of news talk depending on whether or not that event goes ahead hopefully the weather will cooperate but until then thanks so much for tuning in and have a safe and happy day